Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to a conversation with Chris Metzen, with me, Scott Johnson, and the one, the only, Chris Metzen. Chris, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back, dude. Long time no speak. Yeah. Actually, it's not really true. We talked in uh, October. <laughs> yeah, I guess it hasn't been that long, but October feels like nine years away, whereas it, at the same exactly. time, it feels five minutes away. Um, but we, you know, we'll have chats here and there on text and stuff. Uh, and I, I got to tell you, I've been feeling a lot of anticipation and excitement for your upcoming project. How does it feel huh. to uh, to kind of be there, man? You're on the edge of it. It, it feels it's a little weird. I, I, I was just explaining to Kat last night. It's like with kind of big things that are on the horizon for me, I tend to kind of put them out of my mind and just kind of, you know, muscle forward and do the thing. And it's only really when it's like it's on, like it's, you know, days away. Yeah. Um, I start kind of letting it in and kind of feeling that, you know, the excitement and the energy um, and that kind of thing. And I've def it's definitely been hitting me, um, you know, the past few days um, that like, wow, you know, this is <laughs> this is about to get kind of real, you know? Yeah, things are about to get serious. I mean, we've all uh, since the announcement of War Chief Gaming in general, we've all been sort of on pins and needles wondering what's going on. I have to say it's been nice having a bit of a tiny window into what you guys have been working on here and there. Um, and we've discussed a lot of this in previous interviews and stuff. But uh, Arabos, Coils of the Serpent, 5e tabletop RPG campaign. Now, people are hearing that right now. D&D fans going, what? I win. How fast? I want it now sort of stuff. Uh are you uh are you pretty excited to have this thing see the day of, you know, the light of day? Uh Yeah, <laughs> stupidly excited. And in kind of a, you know, in some ways kind of what I'm feeling is very similar to, you know, um you know, any number of, of Blizzard launches over the years that were always just a blast, you know, um, you, you work on things so long and then when you're finally able to really, you know, kind of provide it or, you know, give it to people and have them experience it and that feedback of like, Hey, we really dig it. Or, yeah, this is a little wonky, but like, it's pretty cool overall, you know, whatever, whatever the reaction is, it's always a really amazing time, you know, just to feel all that energy. Um, and then, you know, hopefully, it's, it's positive energy. So, you know, over the years at Blizzard, you know, it's, it's like, it was pretty, it, it was astoundingly amazing that it was generally very positive, you know, all of our big launches, you know, um, I guess the, the trick was, you know, when we were in trouble on a product, we, we simply did not launch it. So our launches were typically very positive, very exciting times, you know, the, the games were, were always very well received. Um, kind of at the start, whether they had trouble or not, um, the content, which is, you know, the part I care about was generally really well received over the years and it felt amazing. So, you know, a little different this time in that I don't know what, you know, um, I, I don't know what's about to happen. I don't know exactly how, you know, um, kind of like a whole new experience in that I just don't know what is about to happen, you know? Um, and, and in a cool way that feels awesome, you know, um, feels like a, a real adventure. Um, um, the uncertainty of, you know, will, will people dig this thing is kind of cool right now. Um, the one big difference between, um, you know, like a massive game launch 
for some, you know, like Blizzard in your time there, uh, I would think with with this is, you know, we're talking about a much smaller team. We're not talking about a massive corporation that spans the globe at this point. We're talking about you and Mike and others who, you know, this is all a very personal experience, a very personal launch for all of you with a lot of personal passion, but also it's, you know, you could contain all all of you in a room and that's War Chief Gaming. And in some ways, that's what makes this so exciting because I feel like, you know, this is coming out like just raw creativity out of some very passionate individuals when it comes to tabletop gaming, in this case, fifth edition rules of D&D, which I have a question about later. But but my point is like that is a much more personal experience than knowing that you were just a a cog in a much, you know, much bigger, bigger clock when it came to, say, a, a Blizzard launch. Do I do I have that sensibility right? And is this feel like a much more personal experience? I, I, I think you're right on the money, you know, um, you know, with the big blizzard launches, I mean, I think I never really thought this through before, but like, but obviously it's like you have this giant corporation behind you. You got all your, you know, your co-developers behind you and all the, you know, the different, you know, groups in the company whose job it is to to assure, you know, excellence and make sure everything goes off without a hitch. And, you know, the the PR, the 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 marketing group, you know, all these all these expert, you know, people that are doing their utmost to, you know, get the message out and, uh, you know, uh, everybody's whistle and set expectations and it's it's it it is pretty crazy doing this without a lot of that um so you know we we, you know we have our friend josh who's helping us with some with the pr and helping us strategize and things and we have you know uh friends that have done a lot of you know kickstarters before and are experts at kind of how to roll them out so we have we have a lot of really expert backup but but it's simply but at the end of the day, you boil it all down. Yeah, it's just kind of the three of us, right? Um, and a very close-knit circle of, you know, like like contractors or whatever. That sounds very impersonal. These are like really good pals now. We've had a blast building this with. Um, but it's a very small group of people. Um, and to not feel the machineries behind me this time, uh, you know, there's a there's a little bit of you know, there's a lot of uncertainty and a little bit of fear that way like whoa you know there's, there's no safety net uh for this thing but at the same time i find it kind of invigorating yeah it's just kind of higher stakes um and stakes this time is not as much about um will it be successful or not and, you know, like honestly i don't even know how i gauge success in that way anymore you know the blizzard thing was such a trip and that you know, we would put these games out and it's just, you know, tens of millions of people that would show up to play over time. Right. Um, it, it was just so beyond the pale of what any of us ever expected. So it's like, what does success mean here? You know, for Ouroboros, you know, like, um, uh, I'm going to go, go out on a limb and suggest to you that it will likely not be tens of millions of people <laughs> that will be interested <laughs> in engaging with this thing. And you know, I'm just utterly, utterly hip with that. You know, it's, it's not about numbers of people. It's not about, you know, this kind of mass commercial, you know, uh, event occurring again. Like I, I have no expectation that way. Um, but just that this thing would go out and, and delight some, you know, um, you know, there's so many people, you know, role-playing these, these days and, you know, playing, you know, all sorts of worlds, you know, based on 5e, um, just to be part of that flow, um, which is kind of where I come from, really, um, is just so stupidly exciting. You know, like I, it's like it totally reframes my whole sense of what 
success and failure look like? The metric is, did we make what we want? Are people having a great time? Are yeah. they great? We'll make more. Let's keep it, going. It, the only, the only you know, tangible metric I have is, is, you know, do we actually just actually fund the Kickstarter, right? Like, let's hope we get over that hump. Right. And then it's, and then it's kind of, it just lives as it will live, you know, like uh, it'll be what it'll be. Um, yeah, it's, it's cool to be untethered from, it, this is funny. I was about to say, from worried about keeping the lights on, which is how I used to say it at Blizzard. You know, right. there was some, you know, the company grew so big and there's there's just so many, you know, people there. You know, there's there's families that are dependent on that company doing well, you know, that have all picked up and moved to Irvine from wherever they're from. And so you always had that sense of like, oh man, I, I hope this works. I hope this goes out. I hope a lot of people come and play because there's a very real relationship between that and keeping all those, you know, people, you know, uh, plugged in and employed and, you know, um, you know, and so this time I would say, oh, it's cool not to have that. But the, the truth is, you know, there's a version of that, right? If, if Ouroboros goes off and people dig it and, you know, the, the, the Kickstarter is, you know, successful or whatever, um, then maybe that translates literally into us being able to maybe hire another employee or two. Um, and, you know, some, some profitability will allow us to, make the next one, you know, or the other few projects we have in mind um, today. So it's exciting. It's kind of high stakes in that way. It's not mass, you know, it's not in the mass. Um, what am I trying to say? It's not high stakes in terms of like the the, the mass of the potential business, right. but it's high stakes in that it's pretty real to us. Like, uh, you know, we three guys at Warchief, you know, can this company grow? You know, can we do multiple things at once? Can we you know, produce the next, you know, um, you know, a few products we have in mind for Ouroboros. Right. Uh, those are real, those are all real, um, stakes, you know, um, but they're much nearer to home, you know, and they're much um, closer to the ground at this scale. Sure. You don't have, uh, shareholders you got to meet with next quarter and and uh you know hopefully break all records from the previous year and all that stuff uh, you're nowhere near any of that yet yeah and uh, because of that you like you said the stakes are maybe higher for you personally but in a different way they're not as much monetary as they are i don't know this 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 basic thing of I'm making a thing and I want to share my thing. Will you like my thing? Oh, you like my thing. I'm going to make more of that thing. Like there's a purity to this. Totally. That's got me pretty excited. There's simplicity to it, right? Like um, that I'm really enjoying. Yeah. And I, uh, speaking of, so actually, so let's take the story back a little bit. You in previous conversations with me have had, um, we've talked a bunch about your time and your, especially in your youth with D and D and other tabletop experiences and how you weren't just busy playing the game or playing modules that you would get places. You were also making your own, you were creating your own world, your own characters. And in a lot of ways, the Ouroboros world and its first release in this universe, world book law brand are a return to that. In fact, literally, right. Aren't we, aren't we reaching all the way back to some of Metzen's earliest ideas and D and D and beyond. And, 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 and that's what we're going to get. Yeah. Like, like literally this was like in, in so many ways, right? Like not only, you know, was, was Ouroboros, you know, this, this campaign that, that my friends and I had developed when we were young um, and, and up and through uh, up until the time, actually I got hired at Blizzard. This was literally the world I was building before Blizzard to come back to that is just, uh, I, I, I can't really collate what that means to me. It, it, it fills me with s- supreme joy. Yeah. Um, and it like almost like a 
giddiness, you know, um, for, for, for a number of reasons, right? Like not only was it, uh, you know, it's kind of getting back and getting in touch with who that kid was, right? Before he became, I feel like this is like a line from Shawshank Redemption, you know, but like an institutional man, right? Mm. You know, um, I gave myself utterly to Blizzard um, and helped kind of define like our, our house style, you know, like the, the kind of worlds we built, you know, the kind of stories we chased, the kind of tones that were, you know, became synonymous with the brand, right? Like I was a big part of that. Um, but Ouroboros came, <laughs> you know, from a version of me in life that didn't, you know, didn't have any of that, right? I wasn't even, could, couldn't remotely have anticipated any of that. And thus, it's a much more raw world. Its themes and its kind of movements that way are way closer to I think the person I more naturally am and not the blizzard guy I became if that makes any sense um I think Ouroboros deals with much you know it deals with raw deep themes and I can run way deep on this theme if you wish but like you know just the the concept itself that you know that the symbol itself Ouroboros I remember I remember seeing it the first time I was reading it was literally Fantastic Four issue 350 Walt Simonson writing and drawing of course it's Simonson again, um, but it's like Doom and Reed are having this duel uh, through time. They each have like a time device, and they're just kind of sparring in between the seconds, right? Trying to outthink each other like a chess game. And Doom drops, you know, th- this word Ouroboros, right? Spelled, you know, classically with an O U at the start. Um, and it's like it was just like such a bitchin' moment. I'm like, what is that word, right? Um, you know, and I, you know, you know, went and tried to research the word. This is, you know, before pre-internet, right? Pre-Google, if people can imagine such a thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but this word just, just flattened me, right? It was kind of fun to say. It was kind of, kind of fun to, to read. But the idea that it's this symbol, you know, it's an old alchemical symbol. And, you know, even, you know, if you go far enough back, it's ties into the basis of even, you know, like the, uh, this is an improper use of the term, but like the, the caduceus that we, associate with even the modern medical symbol, you know, like a serpent raised up on a staff. I mean, it's downright biblical, you know, it's, it's, you know, Old Testament stuff. Um, and the idea that this, I saw this symbol and it just gripped me, you know, for, you know, a kid that grew up, um, you know, it, it, kind of some rough, you know, years early on with um, kind of like some family alcoholism type stuff. You know, I just felt, you know, I was feeling a thousand things at once every day as a kid. Um, and I was desperate to do this creative work as, as kind of this solace, right? It just got my head out of my everyday, you know, uh, reality. And, you know, it just helped me to feel calm, you know, just kind of working on world ideas, working on characters, building stories. And suddenly this symbol was like, holy cow, that's me, you know, like I feel caught, you know, in, you know, these just (laughs) patterns, these recurring patterns I can't get out of. I mean, maybe every kid feels like that, you know, the restlessness of wanting to be free of home and be in the world on your own terms and, you know, um, you know, kind of break the everyday constraints that we feel. Um, But for me, it ran very, very deep. And I, I just always had a connection to this simple um i always said it was like the one it was like the one tattoo i'd get and the one i was afraid of actually getting you know in in a weird way right because it has so much power for me um i look at it and i see addiction i look at it and i see you know the psychology of, of patterns of our behavior we, we can't even see clearly we just feel constantly caught in them you know internally relationally um and so when when we were kids and coming up with all, you know, playing through this campaign, 
Um, and this is the version of our campaign. Um, we were running kind of in the early nineties. Um, this symbol kind of came back to me, you know, wow, this is just so powerful. And we, we kind of wove it into the fiction of the setting, right. You know, that there was this power called the Ouroboros and it's, it's in everything, right. It coils through everything. And in a very particularly Jim Morrison kind of way, if you remember the song, the end by the doors, oh yeah, um, yeah. he starts riffing on all his, you know, wackadoo lizard King shamanic stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, the, you know, the, the snake is long seven miles, you know, kiss the serpent on the tongue and it leads you to paradise. He had this whole riff in his head about, you know, you know, Nietzsche's monster of energy, you know, being, you know, kind of personified through this serpent, you know, which could be the devil, which could be, you know, Jormungand, you know, you know, from the Norse. Um, there's a lot of, you know, echoes of it throughout actually multiple cultures through history. And we just kind of latched onto that, right? It's this monster of energy. Um, every facet of, you know, you know, every mortal person, every moment of history is kind of reflected in its scales. And it just started to become this, well, <laughs> again, cycles upon cycles upon cycles, it became what it is to us in this setting, you know, this, this symbol of continuum and this beast of energy that really started to inform our campaign. Um, as our characters started to get more and more powerful, it's kind of the classic rock star thing. Like, are you really you anymore? Mm -hmm. And does this power start to become, you know, way more dangerous than the thing you set out to face in the first place? Like, do you become the super villain when your power is just so rampant? And so, you know, um, wow. Let me pause, Scott. Yeah. I just geeked out on you in about six different vectors and I feel like I did not answer your question. <laughs> no, this is great. It. I'm glad you went this, this way. i while you were talking, I pulled up this issue. So I, I subscribed to the Marvel, uh, comic service and That's I found three fifty. and, uh, my one first imme immediate takeaway after looking at the cover in the first few pages is how much I miss reading Simonson's, uh, looking at his art i freaking love his art oh my gosh he's the king forever he's he so the good king forever, in my humble opinion so good but um yeah the, the issues from 91 if anyone listening wants to try to track that down and kind of see some of this primordial ooze which brings me to and i'm glad you went there because we had a discussion it was off air we didn't record this it was just a chat you and i were having uh a voice chat we had about i don't know a month ago or two months ago whatever it was and um we talked about all kinds of things, but one of the things that came up was this conversation I had with some friends about some of your old artwork. And by old artwork, I mean like you've got this uh, this old sort of famous in gaming circles drawing of Jim Rayner and his bike uh, out in the mm -hmm. you know out in the kind of wasteland looking Terran future. And that way, um, Wayne had, had updated um, co correct with full paints. Yeah, yeah, and his painting's amazing. Like his updated painting's oh. incredible. Um, oh, yeah. But we were talking about how interesting that is, because basically what he painted was the fruition of the raw material. Like he he that is the ultimate destination for who we think of as Jim Rayner. And prior to that, what we had was your drawing, which something about it just yells at the viewer. It just says, look at all this. You want to know more, don't you? There's a lot going on in this one single image. And you don't know enough about this guy yet, so I want to learn more about whoever Jim Rayner is and what's up with this this guy. There's something about that old stuff that um, we, when I was talking to these friends, they're like, yeah, I prefer that in a way that they prefer, you know, uh, first edition D&D &D art 
right. that would come with manuals and stuff. Monster it's kind art. Of timeless, right? Like yeah. in its crudeness, it's timeless. You yeah. Know? Um, it's interesting. I remember that conversation we were having. <coughs> Pardon me. It's not COVID. It's sinus grip. <laughs> uh, I assure you. No so I was having a conversation with, um, my wife, you know, who had done a lot of, you know, put a lot of, you know, our art books together and, you know, thinks a lot about, you know, this type of stuff. And she was, I was saying, you know, I, I, I've always been so embarrassed of my old art because, you know, it's like, I started at Blizzard with all these guys, you know, you know, obviously Sammy, like Roman Kenny, like all these guys that were just amazing pencilers, you know, you know, guys that could literally get out a pad of paper and just go. Right. And, um, I, I, I reveled in that time, you know, we were all kind of pushing each other and, you know, kind of getting better at just rendering with pencil. And then came the age of digital artwork, um, digital illustration, um, you know, professional, you know, product-based illustration. And, you know, I got left behind pretty quick. You know, I never really made the the leap to digital. Um, and as a result, it's like the, the guys, you know, my peers got so good, right? They became, you know, you know, mighty artists um, in that space, you know, just, you know, hundreds of images that people that are beloved to people, let alone, you know, guys like Wei Wang that are just, I mean, the top of the rocket, right? I'm, I'm Wei's biggest fan, right? Yeah, like, he's so good. Uh, I just, I just, I, I love his art. Yeah. Um, but I know, you know, I left, but I left that path long, long ago, right. Um, to, to kind of go more into the, the writing into the, the business or whatever. But I remember, um, always feeling a little intimidated by, you know, just how good Sam and Roman and all these guys got, um, like I had missed the bus. And, and so I was always a little embarrassed by, you know, when, when we do these big art books and there's kind of my old stuff and I go, you know, like <laughs> it just doesn't hold a candle, you know, it, you know, it looks like some, and then Kat was saying, she's like, you know, I always imagine doing, you know, like a Blizzard art book, but it's all your guys' old pencil stuff. And it's only that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I said, is that nostalgia? You know, you think people would, you know, it reminds you of the old manuals. And her perspective was, um, when I look at that stuff, it feels like it was done by like one of my friends. Yeah. Like it was done by someone I know, you know what I mean? And in that way, it's like, I, you know, in an alternate, like I could have drawn that, you know, it feels accessible and immediate and raw, you know, like you see the ideas behind the drawing, you see this, whether it's crude or not, there's an energy to it and an accessibility to it um, that makes you feel connected, you know, and, and it draws you in and it fires your imagination, maybe in ways that fully rendered, you know, in the modern day, you know, digital art, you know, the most beautiful paintings we see, I mean, they all take you into a story sure. for sure. Um, but there's something about the raw stuff that just just has that that nearness and that that accessibleness, if that's a word that and I hadn't really thought that before, um, before she and I had had that conversation. Um, and, and it's funny because it takes me right back into all this Ouroboros stuff as part of the development of this source book. Like, yeah, I busted out all my old drawings. You know, I used to I used to draw while, you know, we were actually running sessions and um, I was often DMing. I would trade out DMing with uh, my buddy Sam um, and we just we kind of uh, tag teamed DMing, um, you know, over the years. Um, so while he was driving, you know, I could sit there and doodle and, and kind of capture some of these moments that were playing out. Um, and it was cool going through all this old stuff because I could start to see it too. I could start to see the ideas and impressions and the, the, the kind of world building process that was happening back then through 
these drawings that I hadn't really looked at, uh, you know, a lot in 30 years. Oh God. <laughs> I just get, I just skipped on the fact that it's been 30 years. Yeah. About, see, that's a, uh, that's no small number, dude. That is a, but, but no again, see number. what you're doing though, is you're dipping back into primordial creative ooze like and the there's yeah. something powerful about that. Like I, I can tell you as someone who, you know, half of what I do is art, um, for frog pants, but I, I, you know, I'll do something I'm really proud of or do a commission or do a book illustration, be very happy with it. But there is something to be said for an old scrap of paper I find or an old sketchbook in a box and I open it and I just what I see there is somebody who's not playing by any rules, not thinking about critique, not thinking about strictness of line or perfection of perspective or all of that stuff. And. I think that stuff's just invaluable. Now it can be taken and then refined and then all those yeah. rules applied. And I would, I would argue that that, you know, that Wang painting, the, the final painting of Rainer is that fruition, but yeah. that without that, that early man <laughs> uh, <laughs> version of it, it's, it's not the same. Like it doesn't ring. It doesn't sing like it would. It's got a soul, that thing you drew. And um, totally. I, I think that's maybe what I'm most excited about, about this, module not only the module but the universe and everything that's going to come out of this is we're going to get a look at that you know the early man but with the refinement of what you know now what you've learned over time it's like how i know how to do it now you know and thinking through things from multiple perspectives it's like it is really interesting you know going back and and you know more than just the like the early concept art but just looking at the ideas themselves looking at um kind of how we played through the content we were generating and, and just how, what an expression it's, it's uh, again, I, I've riffed this with you a number of times. Like I always look at it like being in a band, you know, like building worlds or building products. Sure. Uh, we, we've ripped on this a number of times, but I, I really believe it's the best analogy um, to me. Um, it's almost like this campaign we played through and the world that, you know, substantiates it, you know, was like, like this, really rough cut album we we made together you know and we all played our part uh not 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 specifically just as the characters we role played through but just from our different perspectives as a group of people um because we were such a tight-knit group of friends and we were so into the things we were doing right we were as much about nerdy you know star wars and science fiction and and you know comics as we were into music you know a number of us were in bands you'll laugh at this um, but my, my second band was actually named Ouroboros, if you can believe that. <laughs> and like every time, every time we would play, people would just be like, it's, it's a what now, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. what are you talking about? That's such a funky word. Right. But I'm like, I don't care. This is the name. This is the symbol, you know, right. This is what at. you know, like it was just, but I, didn't, like, I didn't know there were two bands. You're like your, your second, was it a third band or how many, how long did this go? Cause I love this story. This little side story about your band. Uh, uh, it was uh, like two, two actual bands. And then, uh, there was a guitarist I used to write with, I mean, we, we would do like, you know, we would play originals and then do, you know, covers of things at coffee shops and things like that. We did that for a few years. Um, but like really two core, you know, eras, you know, two, two specific bands. That's great. Um, but right, but that whole time, like this is what we were doing as well, you know. Like, um, it's like I re- I can remember getting back from gigs and going to my buddy's house, and we'd jump into this, and you know, we'd start playing, you know, like as my ears are still ringing, you know. Um, 
from the amplifiers. So, <laughs> shit, Scott, I apologize. I forgot what we were talking. About. Oh, so we were talking in general about kind of looking back um, at this box of ideas at the at the you know just Ouroboros, the story we played through, right. and just so people know, like what one of my favorite things about doing this is there's the source book itself, you know, World Book Law Brand, um, which we're you know obviously you know we're dropping on on Kickstarter, and then what what just delights me to no end is. Um, one of the tiers or whatever you can buy into uh, like a collector's set, like a, like a slipcase collector's edition of the source book. Um, but what's in the slipcase with it is actually um, the novelization of our campaign, you know, of, of the storyline that we played through. So the source book itself is built to be, I kind of wanted to open the world up such that any DM, any group of players can come in and, you know, cr- craft their own story, their own narrative, right? Like their own adventure using the same locations and factions and all the, all the good stuff, you know, some of the, the super villains. Um, and you can kind of go your own way. It's a, it's a fully realized world. Um, but I love that we actually get to tell the story of, of my group and how we kind of face the same, you know, threats and the same tensions um, and the same, you know, turns in the world. Uh, we wound up, of course, breaking the world horrifically. Um, uh, <laughs> just nu- we were just knuckleheads, right? Sure. We were not, you know, this isn't, you know, Tannis and Raceland and Caramon, right? Like noble heroes facing impossible <laughs> darkness. We were like knuckleheads, which is where we were as people, you know, when we were 18, you know, 17, 18, 19 playing through this stuff, we were all about kicking against the goads and challenging the system. You know, we had all grown up, you know, and, and you know, we had all really gone to Catholic school with each other since like the first grade. So, I mean, you're looking at a group of kids that are probably too smart for their own good and just everything we can do to kind of, you know, break the systems and challenge, you know, challenge authority and, um, you know, you know, mix that with like heavy, you know, speed metal. And there you go. Right. That was us. <laughs> that was you guys. So, Where are the rest of those guys now? Like if you, uh, but if, if we had to see the table, everybody around that table, would there be Chris Metzen, famed video game designer, uh, and former lover of all things, D and D and creative, blah, blah, blah. And then we'd see accountant Bob and a dude over here that started a sock company. Like actually it's funny. Uh, my, my buddy, uh, Mike Perosi, who, um, you know, who was always the dwarf and the, you know, the, the gruff, you know, badass dwarf like he's you know he's currently a lead game designer working on a bunch of things uh mike carrillo um you know you know who kind of always played the the kind of really wily support characters um he's actually he's been at blizzard for over 10 years oh, wow. um, in the marketing group. you know he's a graphic designer he did like the you know for instance the diablo 3 collector's box remember that white box oh yeah i've got one over here i'm looking I at just, it now yeah, so that's Mike. You know, so he's still that's a awesome. Blizzard rock, you know, rocking and doing his thing. Um, Sam and Dan Moore, you know, Daniel was at Blizzard for you know tw- almost twenty five years um, on the World of Warcraft team, um, uh, and his brother Sam, you know, he was you know my best friend growing up, and and who really was my, uh, we we were partnered in, in in you know building this thing and imagining it together. Uh, Sam and Dan have actually moved to Nevada and just they just chill, right? Like they've kind of done their big things and. They're just living, you know, um, and, and enjoying the peace and quiet. Um, so it's, it's interesting. And, uh, and then our buddy, we have a buddy, Billy Bly, who kind of got us all started in the fifth grade playing D&D. Um, and he was kind of the main DM for our, the, the first generation of our characters. Um, you know, Bill has his own family business. He's doing his thing. And 
it, what's been cool about this is, you know, kind of not only just looking at these ideas again and going back and, and kind of outlining the world again based on our old notes and um, outlining our, our campaign story. Um, I think I mentioned that earlier. Um, uh, our old friend Mickey Nielsen is actually novelizing this thing. Oh, yeah. Um, Love Mickey. He's so great. Like, Love that dude. Yeah, dude. Mickey's one of just just my favorite, favorite writers and, and obviously a, a brother. Yeah, um, so to great. have him, you know, kind of telling this story uh, is just a, a, a miracle, you know? Um, and so by, by virtue of doing these things and building the source book, you know, you know, re outlining, you know, the, the story that we all played through um, I've been on the phone with my friends who I, you know, who many of whom, you know, I haven't really talked to for a number of years just cause life happens. You have kids, you know, you, you get busy with your careers. Yeah, you know, you move out of town for a new job. You know, we all kind of scattered a little bit um, from such a tight knit group, just because this is, you know, that's what life life does sure, often. Sure. Um, but through virtue of this happening again, it's like I'm on the phone with the boys. I'm like, hey, do you remember it this way? I'm trying to dial in this outline, and I'm sharing documents, and we're walking through these moments of history. That you know, it's like, oh, God, I can't remember exactly how this played out. Um, or do you guys remember this one character that helped us in this one adventure? And, <laughs> It's just been amazing to engage with my pals again creatively, you know, not just do creative work, but with them, you know, and kind of hearing their instincts again and and hearing how delighted they are that this idea that was so core to who we were as a group of people might go out and be enjoyed by other people in the world, you know, for all of its kookiness. It's just been just a blessing, you know, to be in their lives again and and just jumping on the phone with stuff to jam on. And how amazing to me, you know, it's not just the work. It's not just the shape of this book that, that that's coming out. It's not whether it's successful or not. It's like I, I've got I've got this rhythm in my life and these relationships again that mean more to me than than any of it, you know, than right. than any success that could be accomplished, you know, through the product itself. It's just been, well, it's been a hell of a year. Yeah, I, I love I'll, that. I, it, I'll say that way. It's like yeah. the worst <laughs> possible year anyone can remember, right? Yeah. With death plagues and social unrest and the fucking red versus blue, all of it, right? Yeah. Like in a weird way, it's like, I, I think I've just had the best year of my life, you know, like, you know, physically, spiritually, from a family standpoint, like healing of old wounds and healing of my own you know, uh, you know, you know, dark stuff. It's like life again and yeah. relationships again, like, like given the reality of, of how cooped up everybody is with, with COVID and everything. It's like, I think I've just had the best year of my life. It's crazy to even say it that. It is weird to say it, but I, I don't think that that's, uh, I, I, you know, even I think anybody who, who went through that year, they've all had to stretch and find who they are. Right. Like I feel, I feel that way. I feel like I've had to not just stretch, but also fail a couple of times in that stretch and then try again during that year to try to find out, well, what am I really like in the face of this, in the face of possible change on all levels of everyone's life? Like what, what are we, who are we? Are we just the, you know, we go to movies on Fridays and we eat at McDonald's on Wednesday and or like, what are we? Too. Yeah. Are yeah. we our rhythm? Right. And that's been uh, enlightening for me. I, mu- I assume it had to have been for you, especially when you guys were starting to crank on this is when things hit. You know, you were suddenly in this position of like, well, the live stuff we were doing, that's going to have to change. And, you know, all of those things sort of sort of changed. But I'm really I'm really glad to hear that, it you know, that the the end result is. A lot of creativity, a lot of coming back together, a lot of old friends coming back together. And that's very cool. They must think this is rad, those guys. They must be like, man, that thing yeah, we used to do in junior high, no way. That's, you know, yeah. I just, 
how they're, cool they're getting a big kick out of it and i think they're chomping at the bit to like well so what's the next one man we will you know give me give me some design give me some writing to do. give me you know let's where how we never imagined um i guess it's a spoiler i'll just give you a spoiler oh um, my gosh I, all right i don't know why this thing's gonna go but our campaign that this this uh, let me explain ouroboros is like a generational story right it's it's a world that has a lot of long history and the way we played you know back when we were kids you know in the in the late 80s um we played through you know we, we did what everybody does we started playing you know through like the modules that were coming out you know temple of elemental evil ravenloft all the all the bitching you know modules that tsr was producing at the time you know our characters you know, were our characters and we we ran through those um and then in not too long of a time it was kind of like you know what let's start bending it our way right you know, like it's you know it's it's not, you know, Castle Ravenloft. It's this other thing. You know, we started kind of morphing it into a, you know, kind of a, this emergent world as we saw it. You know, we kind of strung different adventures together and kind of reconceptualized it to be its own thing. Um, and really towards the end of that first group, you know, that first phase of our play, like, boy, we had really made it our own. And the world really started to become, you know, distinct uh, as a thing of our own creation. And then we took a few years off and we started playing again. Um, I think it was like late high school. Um, um, and, and certainly uh, just after high school, we developed this phase of the game, this, the second generation of our characters um, in this setting called Lawbrand, which occurs, you know, like 300 years or so after the events that the first group had lived through. Does that make any sense? Yeah, so oh, far? totally. Sure, sure. And then we played through the events, um, our characters through, you know, this this realm of a law brand. And we really made a mess of things in a way. We dispensed indiscriminate justice, but kind of broke things <laughs> yeah. as a result. And then we played a third uh, generation of characters that was, you know, again, like 200 years after the events of law brand. And the world had really moved on. And, and boy, does it get high concept. And it's like, I would love to make world books of each of these eras, right? They are all distinct. They are all, you know, they all have their like really cool vibe, mm -hmm. uh, you know, different races, different factions, different, you know, the world's in completely different states in each of these eras. So anyway, um, what I was, the point I was trying to make um, before I nerded out um, <laughs> was that the events that our characters played through in Lawbrand um, result in some real catastrophic change of the world. And we actually all died at the end. Um, you know, we actually all wound up tapping into this power, you know, they called the Ouroboros, right? This, this universal energy, um, with which, and through which you can radically, you know, it's like, it's like way beyond the abilities and powers of your class. It's like this whole other, you know, fount of energy to tap into. And I mean, you can literally, you know, I, I keep saying it like this phrase, like you can, you know, shatter mountaintops and cure villages of disease. And you can do just incredibly miraculous you know, uh, things in the world, but it does eat away at you. You know, it, it starts to, you know, you start to lose who you are it, within the power. Um, you know, it starts to cut, you get the speed wobbles, you know, ultimately you're descending what we're, we call the coils of the serpent, right? You're gaining more and more power, but losing more and more of your humanity at the same time. Right. So one of the things that's cool about this source book is that we've codified that and designed that system, uh, so that anyone can do it. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't recommend it. Um, you know, it often leads to madness and death. Right. But that's, to well, me, it's that, it's that echo of that Jim Morrison thing, that sure. rock star thing, you know, that, that we, we often romanticize, but is actually a horrific descending into, you know, you know, this, this primal self-destructive state, which, 
which as a kid at 18 and 19, uh, you know, maybe drinking too much and maybe doing too much of bad stuff. That's where I was at at that time, you know, you know, singing in bands and, and the idea of this kind of reckless self-destruction was that was very much where I was at, you know, in, in, in my heart, in my mind, you know, um, um, and so kind of capturing that lightning in a bottle with this not only the, the the concept of this setting, but also this system in the game um, is is about the most personal thing I can do as a as a developer. You know, like right. it's everything to me. It's it's this fundamental. You know, the cycles of behavior I was trapped in. You know, and the, the self destruction of it, um, but kind of the rebirth out of it. You know, when you kind of start to you know clear up and sober up, and um, it's all kind of in there. Uh, I nerded out again. Um, <laughs> What I, was I love it. This is say, great. People are going to want this this aspect well, of the conversation. I, I hope so. You know, it's it's very personal and it runs very very deep to me. You know, like like much much deeper than anything I worked on at Blizzard. And and, and believe me when I say I, I gave my all um, into the Blizzard stuff. But there was always a layer there of of going to you know like really going full you know, full kimono, you know, right. <laughs> you know, uh, open kimono. Right. But this is it for me. You know, it's, and, and how, you know, anyway, let me finish the one, the one thing. And then I want to riff on a point is our, our group actually, we, we all died at the end of our adventure because we had all tapped the Ouroboros and we knew that the final expression of power that would actually defeat the bad guy and actually save the day. Um, even though we could really care less about society overall, you know, what did it ever do for us? Right. Yeah. But like we're, we'd be damned if we'd let the bad guy win. Right. right. It was really more personal. Sure. Um, screw this guy. <laughs> we're going to drop a hammer on him. Yeah. And that hammer, we had to give all of ourselves into this final expression of power um, to dispense justice. So it's like, ain't that a thing, right? That ain't the, that ain't the, that ain't the same old thing. Right. <laughs> you right. know, like it's just an interesting, it's an interesting, story and so about who we were at the time this pyrrhic you know restless you know punk rock place that we were in um this thing's so born of that does it make it more difficult to because that is a very personal piece of you that you're putting out there in this expression in this way does that put more pressure on you guys to feel like you know that it's that it's as meaningful to people that it is to you and that you know you did not make that sacrifice in vain for lack of a better way of saying it you mean meaningful in terms of like this thing working and people liking it yeah like like if you because because like what you just said you really put a pound of flesh like a personal part of your life into how it's structured if you if you have expectations for people and whether they're going to take from that what you did meaning the expression of it means this to you therefore i hope it means that to the player uh, do you feel like that's just more pressure on yourselves or you haven't really thought you of it that way I, I think i think i can honestly say for the first time in my career i don't know that i care i think i will be delighted if people dig this thing they feel you know that there's some authenticity behind it and real passion real personal artistry being mm-hmm. expressed um, mm-hmm. which i think is true that would delight me um, as an artist, as a creative or whatever. But I think I can honestly say a few years after my Blizzard experience, it doesn't matter to me as much as the thing itself existing and being authentic. It's in a, another way of saying that is my audience for Ouroboros, honestly, is my group of five friends that I grew up with. Right. I want them to see the final book and the final novelization and for them to be proud of it and feel that it was authentic um, to who we were and what we were processing at that time. I'm just, I want them to be proud of it, you know? And, and I guess in a, in a, at a thousand feet, I want them to be proud of their buddy, Chris, you know, mm-hmm. not because of all this, you know, cuckoo bird, insane scale blizzard stuff. Right. And I think they're proud of me. 
but but for this, you know, the, the simplicity of this and the the joy of doing it authentically, you know, um, th- that's that's what I want. Uh, and I, I think I think my buddies are proud of me. It's all good, you know, but that's really what's in my mind, you know, and, and then and then the reality of, you know, uh, you know, you know, Mike, you know, who's my partner here at Warchief and, and, and Ryan Collins, who's the lead you know, developer on the project. You know, I work with Mike and Ryan every day. You know, we were going over, you know, documents and 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 design documents. You know, like we're, you know, you know, we're building this thing together practically every day. And I want them to be proud of it. I want I want I want to pr- have produced a thing at the end of the day that they can look at and be like, you know what? I I, I love this. I love that this is what I spent my precious time on. Right. Um, I want it to feel like this is what Warchief is, right? Like making things like this together. Um, and then and then the wonderment of being able to look now down the road at like, where do we take it next? We've just built this amazing ship. Let's take it to sea, you know, mm-hmm. and, and see what it can do. See how fast it can go, you know, discover new, you know, uncharted countries on this ship. Um, that's the kind of stuff um, that really thrills me about this whole thing. So I don't think I feel an abundance of pressure in terms of, um, gosh, I hope people will like it. I mean, I do. I really do. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to minimize that, but it's different. It's different this time. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't need it. I don't need the affirmation. It'd be nice, but it's not about that this time. Um, and I think that's why it feels so different and so free, you yeah. know, um, the, exp- the expectations of like the blizzard audience and the, and the stakes behind all of that, right? Like, boy, did that get heavy over time? Yeah. And it was an honor and a privilege to lean into that and, and, and try to perform, and build things with passion and integrity for that audience. Uh, that's sacred to me. That's sacred ground. Right. Um, but I will say, without all of that this time, you know, without a built-in audience that's expecting, you know, um, things at that level, um, it is much more freeing, um, and I'm enjoying that freedom a lot. Well, that's awesome. I, Scott, that's really good to I hear. Didn't actually- Question, that's right? okay because uh i like where it went and it actually brings me to another part uh we, we we thought we might end up bringing this up and we've certainly talked about it off air a lot and we may have even done a little bit in our series of interviews over the, over time but video games very different than tabletop tabletop very different than video games but in a lot of ways video games especially are very rpg slash progression rich state of video games now owes so much to the to the source which in my my opinion is D and other rpgs that you know started out with pens and paper and these days anything from shooters to puzzle games for that matter they've got some kind of progression tied in some sort of leveling up uh gear systems um even you know there are plenty of just like straight up rpgs but a lot of games you know the call of duties of the world or whatever that have full-on rpg like progression systems in them and they that changed the world like rpgs changed everything uh, in, in gaming and beyond, but all of it roots back to this stuff. Now, having had your hand pretty heavily in, in, uh, the gaming world for so long, uh, in in the video game side, that's probably pretty apparent now the influence. And then I wonder how much of that influence goes back. Like, are you approaching any of this as someone who saw major releases come and go and huge platforms like world of Warcraft and other stuff come and succeed and continue? Does that have an impact on how you create here or is it, is it the opposite? Is it like, no, I'm, I'm getting back to, you know, again, primordial ooze of video games. Um, I think it's kind of the opposite in a lot of ways. It's like, I get clearer and clearer um, as time goes by that my entire blizzard career was chasing this. Mm. And I don't mean necessarily Ouroboros in its, in its specificity, you know, like it's elves, it's fantasy setting. But what I mean is the feeling, the feeling of, 
creating something with with my most favorite people and we were the only audience for it we never dreamed anyone would see these ideas you know what i mean you know hopefully we're not embarrassed by people seeing them now but like we never dreamed it it was just for us it was an album of music we made for each other if that makes any sense sure and the 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 safety of that, the passion of that, the identity of that, of just a group, a group of people doing it together just for the sheer love of it. And, and I would say love of each other, you know, if that, if that sounds too, uh, sappy or whatever, it's true, yeah. you know, yeah. um, that's the feeling I was chasing my entire career at Blizzard. Mm. And when mm. it was at its best, I, I found it, you know, I, I had guys, you know, like Sam Didier and, Jeff Kaplan, Nick Carpenter, Alex Frasiabi, like any, you know, any number of people over the years that you really find that creative kinship with. That's what I lived for. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the scale of the business. It wasn't whether this game's going to be a hit or not. I just wanted to be in a band. I wanted to be in a <laughs> band making music that I loved. And it's like this process again, you know, with with Mike and Ryan at Warchief and the, you know, the, you know, uh, you know, Atesh um, Barak Toroglu, Nick Grayson are, are, are two, you know, designers we've, we've worked with from the beginning of this project. It's like, I have loved, um, being in this new tribe and finding that, that, that rhythm again, that f- brotherhood again. Um, um, let, let's say fellowship. I didn't mean it, uh, in exclusively a boy kind of way, but right. like finding that tribe again, um, is everything to me. Um, it's like whether Ouroboros, you know, whether the Kickstarter does well or that, you know, it takes off as its own franchise or whatever, you know, it may or it may not. I've already had the success I was after and it was the relational thing. Right. Everything else will be gravy. It's all gravy. Yeah. And we want people to go get that gravy, by the way. So go to that Kickstarter and check it out because <laughs> it's it. awesome. Yeah. Get some of that gravy. <laughs> nobody, nobody doesn't like gravy is what I'm saying. That's what I'm getting the bottom of yeah. yeah, gravy's good. Um, all right, so bringing things back down or back back to the project itself, obviously the future could hold anything. 5e being the decision, that, you know, sort of your platform, your rules and your subsystems and all of that. How big of a choice was that? I mean, I know you're a longtime D&D fan, but did you guys ever go, eh, maybe Pathfinder or maybe, you know, I don't know, like something I, else? I mean, for purposes of dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's, you know, we, we, we had talked maybe once for about four minutes about the idea of, you know, designing a new system, but it never had a a, a prayer, right? Like 5e is where it's at. Uh, It also happens to be where it's at, uh, meaning this is what everyone's playing right now. There's all sorts of bitching systems out there that we, you know, we, we, or, you know, the the crew plays, but to me, 5e and by extension, you know, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, like it's the highest faith. It's church to me. It is sacred ground to me. Right. And while we've come a long way from Thaco, if you know what I mean, yeah. like we've, we've come a long way in our systems. And, um, you know, this new modernized system is just wonderful. And the sheer miracle of, you know, open gaming licenses and things like that. It's like, this is always where it was going to be. I, I knew when I first had the thought, Mike, Mike Gilmartin had, had asked me a number of times, hey, do you think you'll ever want to make product again? Do you think Warchief could ever be more than just a club? And I was always like, no, 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 I don't know, Mike, you know, I don't know if I'm ready for that kind of thing. And it's, as soon as the thought occurred, I think I talked to you about this. I was playing WoW Classic and it, it, it rattled something loose, mm. something fierce and primordial. And I knew that I wanted to be creative again. And it was there was no question about it. It was instantaneous. 
it's Ouroboros and it's 5e. Mm. There was, it was instantaneous. No, and I was no hesitation. Convinced yeah. that, that was the path. And I'm going to come out of retirement or whatever <laughs> and really do a thing. This was it without question and without any other option, you know, yeah. it was a lightning bolt, you know? So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, after this past year with all the, you know, the blood, sweat and tears we put into this thing that, yeah, that people will dig it, you know, for, for as funky as it is, it's not like other settings. It's really, in some ways it's like, it's kind of more down to earth and more reflective of literally and more reflective of, you know, the world we were growing up in. And in, in a lot of ways, the world as it is today, not that it is uh, an allegory in any way, but it's a much more grounded setting in this middle era. Yeah. Uh, you know, law brand itself. Um, and in that way, it's like when the magic comes, when the when the flavor really starts to come through, it's like even more engaging, I think. You know, it's a, it's a funky world. We'll see what people think. Uh, but I just couldn't be prouder of it, man. And, and really, like we had said earlier, the, the experience of getting to do this again and, you know, kind of rekindling these old friendships and kind of making new ones, you know, through, through war chief, you know, just through our, you know, developing it has, has really been the thing itself, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm so conscious these days of the value of putting the band above the music. The right. music is critically important and gosh, I love, love playing music, you right. know, and, and of, of course by this, I mean, elves and dwarves right. and rolling hot dice. <laughs> um, yeah. but, but just the, the, the gift again of, of kind of being in a band I truly love, um, is, uh, has been worth all of it, you know. That's really cool. The, uh, the only other thing I would ask is in regards to D and D, um, there's probably part of you that sees, well, I, I think a lot of us see 5e as the culmination of not only changing tides in the world of tabletop gaming and, you know, just systems being updated and changed and improved and everything else like any other product. But it's also, you know, I wouldn't say heavily influenced, but there's some influences, some some quality of life changes to it that maybe came from the gaming side, from the video game side yeah. of things and made 5, 5e the more accessible sort of anybody can get in, easy to get into, hard to master sort of product that it is today were there ever any temptations for you uh then or now to say "Ooh, what if we snuck in this old 2e thing i liked and uh you know because you're kind of you're the dm of dms you can you can say in these modules yeah our, our world has a couple of tweaks here are the rules and they're different and you must live by them have have, have you have you felt that or, or are you trying to be stringent with your with your 5e adherence uh, i think we're trying to be we've got a few systems that are new that kind of echo things that other you know other studios have tried you know there's a lot of people out there doing 5e content you know you're kind of building new systems obviously hundreds of worlds you can jump into so we've got a few systems um you know we, we dwell you know particularly on here, here's the thing in this world or at least in this era of the world you know law brand the whole idea is we, we were all a bunch of rock and roll kids right so we weren't in this era there's not a lot of people walking around with plate armor and giant burning shoulder pads or oversized weapons right it's <laughs> it's a little bit more of a conventional vibe. Yeah. Um, and in our world, you know, music's a huge thing. Like bards are like the coolest people around, right? Like there's bands, there's whole scenes of music, you know, in the setting and bards are just celebrated. And in that way, it's like, you know, people dress kind of exotically and, um, we didn't want to be weighed. We didn't want to be weighed down by chain mail, we, you know, over leather, you with two rings of, you know, plus two, you know, AC. Yeah. We wanted to just dress however the hell we wanted to dress. Right. Like, sure. cause we're, you know, it's, it's a rock and roll world. And so, you know, we we relied heavily on like tattoos and things like that to, you know, give, you know, magical benefit and, you know, and just we didn't want to be in, you know hindered by the classic visual fantasy tropes. 
was really important to us. We're walking around in like torn up bell bottoms and, you know, you know, I don't know, the equivalent of like cowboy hats and things. You know, it's, it's fantasy, but it's definitely got, I always say Ouroboros is like, it's kind of like Dragonlance meets Black Sabbath 1973 U.S. road tour. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I feel that. I, that's a vibe I can get into. I mean, it's got it's got Sabbath, Zeppelin, you know, the doors. It's like all these classic rock bands. If you can kind of conjure the way they dressed and they looked and the vibe of that era of music and especially in America, right? Like dusty desert highways, you know, like that's what this is. It's very different than a lot of other settings. It's, it's definitely got a lot of... Um, I wouldn't say Americana, that's kind of different, but it's got a distinctly like, you know, 1973 America backroads kind of vibe, if mm. that makes any oh, sense. Oh yeah, that makes, I'm, you're uh, speaking my we language. Are, yeah. We are worlds away from Azeroth, right? We're sure. worlds away from Kryn. Yeah. Um, so in that way, I think it has a lot of distinctiveness, but as a result of that visual thing, um, we used a lot of t- magic tattoos and stuff. So while other, you know, other studios have done their own version on 5e tattoos, you know, we've got a system called sigils that we're, you know, developing that um, is similar but plays very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, the way you tap into the Ouroboros itself, you know, fundamentally in this in this campaign setting is through a super sigil called the Mark of the Serpent. You literally have to be tattooed with some version, some riff on the Ouroboros itself. It could be circular or like an hourglass or like the dwarves. They drew it in a very geometric geometric pattern. And the, you know, the, the Ma'i of the desert steps, you know, had a very different kind of almost coatl version of the Ouroboros in their ancient tales. So it's like different cultures had different riffs on the symbol itself but taking its mark is what begins to tap you into you know this this power you know and it begins to you know do what what it's going to do in within you and through you but like you know things like tattoos are like a really core you know system to us and or a mechanism to us not only to substantiate the visual distinctiveness of the world but also it's how you get you know some of your you know for instance basic ac without having to walk around in 50 pounds of armor you know <laughs> right it's kind of a world where um, in a way it's like 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 for azeroth i can tell where the rock stars are by how big their shoulder pads are literally right, right. you know what i mean right. um, in the world of ouroboros like the rock stars are just they're just the rock stars, right? right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just these, like, almost, uh, you know, whatever. I, I hesitate to use this as an example, but like these Johnny Depp looking, you know, weathered Keith Richards rock star people with piercings and tats and, you know, like that's kind of more of the aesthetic um, that we were after. So it's got, there's sort of a road warrior vibe to this. As someone who's gotten to read the older content, cause you sent me a bunch of this. Um, it does have kind of a, not road warrior. It's not really the right comparison, but it's, there's kind a, there is an aesthetic to it. That is kind of, I always think of it as like a particularly, you know, I, I, you know, it's like I half grew up in the desert, you know, we're kind of, you know, we're, we're river folk here in Southern California. Right. So right. we go out to Lake Havasu, Colorado river, we're, you know, you know, you know, uh, off-roading, and you know kind of exploring the desert right so like the desert's always been core to me um in how i look at the world how i've acclimated to you know the united states right like there's a mojave vibe um that this thing really has like i said the dusty desert highways you know it's it's um it's that contrasted with you know the the main population center civilization of law brand is you know a kind of a we call it like a confederation of urbanized trade cities, like factories, you know, and, you know, big grinding cities where like, you know, ogres, you know, iron dwarves, humans, satyrs, gnolls, they all, we all live together in these giant cities. We, we work the same factories. Our kids go to the same schools. It's like the era of, 
good and evil, the era of, you know, distinct, you know, red versus blue factions, that's ancient history. And we all right. live together now. We may not like each other. Our cultural differences may still be, may flare up every once in a while, but it's that kind of setting, right? It's, it's, a, it's a densely populated, urbanized, you know, setting in law brand. And then this vast desert, you know, to, to the, to the East, um, always to the East. Is that a Diablo two? Um, <laughs> I'm telling you that the desert has always been, dude, I'm waiting. You're speaking my language. My favorite planet in star Wars, Tatooine, my favorite yeah. place to hang out well, in world of Warcraft, the Barrens. Like I'm all about deserts and I'm the same aesthetic grew up, you know, in, in Utah, well, which meant Utah boy, right? yeah, like, deserts everywhere. Like you go to Southern Utah, you're suddenly, you know, where you're, where every Henry Ford film was made. And exactly. You're on Mars. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I love it. It's my aesthetic. It's my favorite yeah, thing on the planet. It's a real so. romance to, to, to the open desert. Like I, I get out there as often as I can. There's just a, a, a stillness yeah. in the open spaces that, you know, I, I require for my life. So yeah, Ouroboros has a lot of that. Um, and so going back to your point about, have we, you know, um, pushed a lot on the rules or whatever, like we are, our, our whole intent is to make this thing as, as usable and easy to step into, you know, for anyone that's played 5e, uh, whatever worlds you played in so far, like it should be fairly easy stepping into this one. And um, so the systems we've added to it, um, we're, we're trying to make as intuitive as possible, but really maximize the flavor of this, what I hope is a very distinct setting. Well, the flavor is my favorite part of every meal, including my favorite D&D meal. So very much looking forward to this. And uh, we mentioned it a few times, but the Kickstarter, if you're hearing this, Kickstarter's up. It's up and going. And if you need to find it, it's real simple. You can either search for it on Kickstarter if you want. But if you go to warchiefgaming.com, up front and center, ready to roll, uh, click right. those I links. Would, I, would, I, would, uh, I would send, you know, keep keep the big date in mind is, uh, ironically at least, and don't giggle, 420, uh, <laughs> as the universe has, has deemed, sure. uh, is the official start to the Kickstarter. Starter, and I would want to send people to unleashoroboros.com. Uh, is oh, where nice. You get all the get all the the four one one and begin your journey. Oh, that's it, even better. Uh, for those at home who are keeping notes, a u r o b o r o s, just like it sounds, oroboros, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be rad, dude. I cannot wait to hear how this goes. Expect to see oh, all thanks. sorts of people playing it, and uh, some cool video content coming. All kinds of rad stuff happening around it. And Chris, I couldn't be happier that you're just in this place where you get to make this stuff again man it's uh it's awesome and congrats to you and the team well you know scott I, you know i appreciate you man and I, I appreciate the uh just you know dude i always appreciate the support and your excitement for things and as always of course it's just fun to yap with you man i, I, I again i'll apologize for going uh, a little bit afield on certain of your questions <laughs> um, this, this stuff just makes me nerd out and it's like i i just can't even control my excitement for a lot of this so thank you for your patience and thank you for allowing me to um spread the word a little bit dude it means oh, a lot. Yeah. our community uh, loves this stuff they love what you do um most of them you know they may have found you through uh through warcraft but they have followed you uh because of this this kind of passion and i'm excited for them to hear about it i want them to all get involved and go check it out yeah like we're all playing D again may as well, may as well play this. Such a, i love that like you know D was just like like i said the, the higher faith right right and for a few years there um, in the aughts, you know, and it, it's still going very strong. It's like, I love that Warcraft was there to kind of fill a void and kind of create a new expectation of gaming together and networking people and, you know, people that never thought they would enjoy elves and dwarves, like, like found that yeah. with games like WoW and, and in particular WoW, you know? Um, but I, I, I have to tell you as, as, as much as I'm proud of, of, of WoW still going strong, I love that D&D has found its 
space again yeah. and that society can see just how important that game and the work that company's doing is just uh, just absolutely amazing and i would say critical you know mm-hmm. to to the long term health of all of our inner geeks whether you're playing or not you don't know how important D&D is to the world so even through 5e right being able to be part of that tradition that has been so good to my life is just a, a thrilling and an honor you know yeah well i just, just amazing i I, I agree i agree and it's like weirdly it is like church for a lot of us i'm glad we're we're i'm glad we're all going to church again is what i'm saying we're all in church exactly yeah why not fantastic stuff once again chris metz and everybody and uh make sure you uh you know hop in there get in there get that kickstarter going let's make this happen and uh check out warchiefgaming.com for more details of course for everything else going on over there uh thanks again man it's been great talking to you you too scott thank you so much This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com.